Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. 
So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. All right, Ify, welcome to the podcast. So excited to have you here. Thank you, Janice. I'm so excited for this conversation today. Absolutely. Let's start off with you introducing yourself to the audience. Yes. Hello, everyone. My name is Ify Ibekwe. I am an estate planning attorney based out of Texas, and I activate women. I want them to get their bag, transfer it, intergenerationally. And I'm all about doing that with estate planning, which is wills and trusts and other kinds of documents like that. So I feel called to that. So that's what I'm here to talk about. I love that. And I definitely want to dive into the story of how that became your mission. But first, let's talk about your family's relationship with money and what that was like growing up. Can you talk about what you learned about money as a child and how that might have manifested itself as an adult? Yeah, you know, it's very interesting you asked this question. So when growing up, I grew up internationally. I lived in Dubai and lived in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, Doha, Qatar. My dad was a pediatric radiologist and he was a physician and used to teach at medical schools, which eventually led us to move to the United States when I was 11. And I would have what you would consider a comfortable middle-class maybe even upper middle class, I really don't know how to categorize it because we never talked about money like that. And it was always something I never felt was lacking. We definitely were the type of family that had season tickets to like the Houston Ballet and the Houston Grand Opera and Houston Symphony. And my parents would always buy two tickets and one for a kid in rotation for me and my brothers. And so I never felt like we lacked money. I certainly did not know the value of those things growing up. But I never had scarcity mindset about money or abundance because it was that which should not be spoken about. Yeah. But was there when you needed it. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of us can identify with this idea that, like, maybe we didn't grow up in like poverty because I know I didn't, but we also didn't talk about money in any way that was positive. Mm-hmm. Like, whenever we did talk about money, it was like, oh, there's not enough, or this came up and like, now we got to deal with this emergency or, you know, there was never anything around abundance. There was never anything around what to do with it. Right. right. So I know for me, like, as I started earning money as an adult, I didn't really understand like what I'm supposed to do. And now that I'm in this phase where I'm building wealth, that was a whole other thing that I had to start confronting. Like, how do I pass this on? What do I do with this money? What the hell is a beneficiary? Like all of these things. And so I'm curious, what inspired you to get on the path to becoming an estate planning attorney? I mean, I wish I had a really great story, but it really is an opportunity was presented to me and I felt like I could do it. So I spent the first 11 years of my practice as a school lawyer, which meant that I represented schools, school districts, school people, school officials on that side of it. And at one point I represented school employees when I first got out of law school. And so when I stopped working in that capacity, I was really trying to figure out what I could do next. I didn't know whether I should leave the law and go do something completely different. 
And my children were in daycare. I had three kids at the time. I have four now. And one of the moms at the daycare was a financial advisor and asked me if I did wills because the guy who was doing their wills was putting the wrong names on the documents at the signings. And I thought, and he's getting repeat business. I do now. And that's literally how I got into this line of work because it wasn't something that I even thought was accessible to people like me. So that was the beginning. That's amazing. Okay, so let's talk about estate planning. First of all, I feel like just the idea of it strikes fear in people's hearts because they're just thinking about like dying. That's it. So what exactly is estate planning? Estate planning is the area of law where you plan to get all of your stuff together, whether that's your healthcare decisions, whether that's your We talk about beneficiaries, all of your account information put together and working together collaboratively in order to have a plan of action if anything happens to you. And so it includes you. You're part of an estate. So if you're 18 years old and you can make decisions for yourself, which means you have capacity, you need some form of a distribution document and you need healthcare directives because if you're ever incapacitated, people need to know how to help you and what your wishes are. And so estate planning is planning for yourself and your stuff and your people with a lawyer, essentially, with legal documentation. Got it. Okay. So just to make sure I heard this right, once you're 18, you need to have these documents in place for anybody to act on your behalf. Like it's not just like your mom can walk into a hospital and be like, I want my child on life support. I want them to be resuscitated. Like nobody has authority over you unless you have those documents in place. Absolutely. And think about it from the hospital or the healthcare, that emergency perspective. What if your mom and dad don't agree? And your mom says, absolutely, we want life support. And dad says, nope, we had a conversation and she would not want that. Who do they listen to? Yeah. Who's the authority then? Or if it's a spouse and a parent, like we saw with Terry Schiavo over 20 years ago, where she was a 26-year-old woman, married, ended up having to be in a vegetative state and her parents disagreed with her husband, who then is your go-to, right? Estate planning allows you to say, this is who, and this is what I want. Okay. So let's dive into what an estate plan should contain, mm-hmm. right? Because there's a lot of legal jargon that can make people feel like, I don't even want to deal with this because it sounds complicated. So what are the essential aspects of an estate plan? Okay. So when you if established that you're 18 and that you have capacity, the next thing that you need is some sort of a distribution document. And this is a document that's going to say, this is all my stuff and this is who I want it to go to, right? And that could include a house. If you don't own a home, which a lot of people say, I don't really own anything. What do I need an estate plan for? Well, look around your apartment. Who's going to decide what to do with your computer all the information on there, your bed, look around you. Who's going to close up your entire life? Who's going to sell your desk? Who's going to do whatever they want with their art? Whatever your stuff is, who's going to take care of that? So you want some sort of a distribution document that says, this is what I have and this is who I want it to go to. And that could be done with a last will and testament. In a lot of instances, you may want to look into a trust as a distribution document because there are some benefits for doing some sort of a trust because you might avoid going to probate, which is the process of going to court after you pass 
pass away. And you can control the money in a different way with trust, which I won't <laughs> start getting into. I know we're just doing the overview. So you need a distribution document. You're going to need healthcare directives. There are healthcare powers of attorney, might be called medical powers of attorney where you live. There are also things called living wills, which a lot of people think is a last will and testament. A living will is a, a document that says, if I'm ever in a terminal condition, these are the medical interventions that I would want, right? So those are considered part of your health directives. And there are also forms, for example, in Texas, we have some nomination of guardianship forms. So if you're ever hurt or incapacitated in a way where you can't take care of your physical self or your finances, you can say, should I ever be in this condition? Remember, if you're already in that condition, it's too late. You don't have the mental competence to consent at that point. So you plan in advance and say, if I'm ever in that situation, I want my husband to be number one. I want my best friend to be number two. I don't want this person to be part of it at all. Like you, you can say those things and make sure that you have your wishes followed. And then the other thing you would need is a financial powers of power of attorney. It could be a property power of attorney, statutory, durable, depending on your state. These documents, they do the similar things, but they have different names. And that allows you to appoint someone to make financial decisions on your behalf if ever you can't, whether it's incapacitation or maybe you're just out of the country, you know, <laughs> now that the world is opening up. Right. Okay. That's a really great comprehensive overview. So before we dive into some more specifics about the documents, right? Like I feel like a lot of us get caught up in the process of mm -hmm. even initiating these conversations, right? Because these documents will require you to talk about things that maybe you don't want to talk about with your family, with your spouse, with your parents, your children. You know, you have to confront these scenarios, Absolutely. And that's scary. So what's your advice for initiating those conversations and making them more productive than like stressful? Right. It's not easy for some people because if you think about it, a lot of people have experienced the loss of someone or someone having to go into a home or lose their agency in that way. And it can be very traumatic. And while you may not have personally experienced it, for example, if you're someone in your 20s or 30s and you're talking to a parent, they may have gone through it and are still dealing with that trauma of that situation. So I tell people when you want to talk to loved ones, your family members, your key people, the first thing you need to do is understand that this is not necessarily a one and done conversation. This is not a conversation you just spring on a person just on a whim, right? One of the first things that helps is to say, look, I recently did this or I'm thinking of doing this. And if you're my spouse, I'd like to talk to you about it because it's going to involve some decisions I'd like to make. Maybe they're not ready, but you can still go for it and do your own. I think a lot of people forget that part. But I always think the floor is starting with yourself and working through that personally. And when it comes to elders or maybe loved ones who are a bit weary of talking about death. My family's from Nigeria. If you talk about death, you're trying to kill them. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> the what? Are, why are we bringing this up? I'm about to poison my lunch. You know, <laughs> you have to come at it with some sort of a cultural competence. You will know your people better than most. And you can start with things like, Hey, I'd love to talk about 
what would you like to be remembered for? What are some things that you really support and would want to see going on in like a hundred years? How do you want your grandchildren to speak of you, you know, or you can even start with yourself. You know your people, so you know what's going to trigger them and what won't. And just start having the conversation that way. How do you want to be taken care of? We don't talk about things like long-term care, but that is an astronomical expense that 65% of us are going to need, especially women. And those are today's numbers. So who's going to take care of your mom when you're working, building your empire? Are you going to be able to go to work half time because you didn't plan for long-term care and now maybe she's living with you and it's costing so much money and your ability to move in the workforce? What is the plan for that? Because if we ignore it and put our heads in the sand, it doesn't make these realities go away. And so I always recommend just starting with yourself and then easing into the conversation, knowing that it's going to take several conversations. And even then, they may not come around. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely took the approach of like talking about what I was doing when I brought it up to my parents because I got a financial planner and Mm -hmm. she was like, okay, you need an estate plan. So once I started learning about what that process looked like, I started talking to my parents about it. And my mom was super open to it because she's seen the impact of not having those plans and like what that can look like. My dad was more of just like, I don't want to think about this stuff. Right. And so he was way more stressed out about it. But we also had to frame it in a way like, look, dad, this is going to be very traumatic. Losing you is going to be traumatic. Do you really want us to be dealing with the financial and the legal aspects of the stress that this situation is going to cause? Or can we avoid that and just focus on like honoring your legacy right. and going through the grief, right? Because like, why would we want to compound all of the things that we know we're going to have to deal with by not being prepared for something that we know is going to happen? Absolutely. And just like you said, you know, that's something you can bring up with your dad is like, Dad, when you're gone, it's going to be rough on us. There's some people who might have family that says, oh, why would you talk about when I'm gone, right? It could trigger them. And so there is that level of care and sensitivity when approaching to let them know this is what they can handle. And, you know, sometimes you can come with a fire, but sometimes maybe it's raw for them. And so I love that you started with yourself because then you can say, I did it. I'm not telling you to do as I say, not as I do. I believe in this for me too. Absolutely. Okay. So a lot of the listeners of this show are parents and they are very much interested in building wealth and passing that on to future generations. So what are some tools that we can take into account in order to make that a realistic thing? Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? 
Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. Right. And so I'm a mom of four kids. I'm married. I have four kids, seven, five, three, and one. So for those of you with young children, I'm in there with you. And this is one of the most common ways that people come to my law firm asking for help. They've had children. Maybe they've put off estate planning for a while. Maybe their kids are about to leave the house. And they know, I want to be able to pass on certain assets or all of my assets to my children. This is what I'm on earth for. And this is what I want to do. So the first thing I would say is if you find yourself in that situation, I'm going to dispel a myth that people need to figure out their own estate plans. I think that there's so much pressure when it comes to estate plans for understanding everything and what does this mean and what are the documents again? This is why I think that we need to hire estate planning lawyers because it's not an area of the law that is so commonly talked about. Like, family law or criminal law or other types of law where you have an introduction, you know somebody, estate planning is very, very rare. Okay. So the first thing I would say before I even give you any tips is go find yourself a lawyer, okay, who can understand what you want to accomplish. If your goal is, I want to make sure my kids are set. There are several things you can do. One of them isn't even something that is estate planning, but it's life insurance, right? I don't sell it. But hey, if you want to give your kids a certain lifestyle, go buy them some life insurance today, okay? Go buy some life insurance on yourself. Talk to a financial advisor about how much and what to buy and and all of that. That's one way to pass on wealth. The other way is to set up some sort of a trust for your children. Some people do a trust within a will, and that means that it doesn't go into effect until you're dead. And that trust is able to be used for their health, their education, their maintenance and support in as much detail as you want it to be. Some people like to say they're going to get lump sums of money at certain ages, and some people want to give all of the money as soon as they hit an age of majority, but your lawyer can talk about what the benefits are based on your circumstances. The other type of trust is what I mentioned earlier when we were talking about distribution documents. It could be a standalone trust, a living trust, and that's a trust that you might be able to manage while you're alive. Again, it'll be for the health, education, maintenance, and support of your kids, You can be in charge of it at your death. You can have somebody else be in charge of it. I just want to say there are many, 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 many ways to provide money to your kids, assets to your kids. They're going to involve some sort of a trust because your children aren't able to receive property as minors. 
So there has to be some sort of a custodial arrangement or guardianship over those assets for their benefit. And that's why you find a lot of people set up trusts. If I could give you an example, I had a cousin whose parent passed away and they had left money through life insurance out to the minors outright, which a lot of people listening might say, yeah, I have my kid. Their name is on there. Unfortunately, because those my cousin was still a minor, they weren't able to inherit that money without having some sort of a guardianship proceeding where somebody was put in charge of them and then their parents' estate had to go through the probate process, which costs money, takes a long time, especially in certain states. And then when that asset was released, then they could set up a trust and use it on behalf of their kids. It was horrible. It was expensive. And usually it doesn't have to take that long to get your asset released. But if you don't do it properly, while we are happy that you have life insurance and your kids have life insurance coming to them, if there is no mechanism to receive that asset while they are minors, then you could forfeit it, put it in a limbo or put them in a bind to get it. So yeah, absolutely. And so I've seen a lot of people make that mistake where they put their kids as the beneficiaries, not only to just like the obvious things, but like things like retirement accounts. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's not what you should be doing. Because especially if you're a single parent, and you don't have a spouse to leave as a primary beneficiary, you need to have that trust in place to act as that catch all that guardian, if you will, of the asset until the kids reach age of majority, whether that's 18 or 21 in the state that you live in, correct? Absolutely. And so what you want to think of a trust as is a bucket. And it's a bucket that you can put things in. So it's your life insurance, savings, maybe the beneficiary of a brokerage account could be all in your trust. If you're passing away and you still have minor kids, it doesn't mean that they have to become adults before they receive it. It can still be used for their benefits immediately because upon your death, it then fills that bucket and then you can start dispersing funds to not only your kids, but causes or other people that you have designated should be beneficiaries of the trust. Got it. So how do you select a someone to, what's the technical term for like who's managing that trust? A trustee. So a trustee is someone who is a fiduciary. And so they have to be someone who is capable <laughs> of managing money well, right? So if you have a gambling uncle, you don't want him <laughs> to be your trustee, okay? Yeah. Not to say Uncle Joe is not a great person, but if they struggle with money management or they're very disorganized, that's not who you want. For trustees, there are two types, right? You can have somebody you know, whether that's a spouse maybe to begin with, or a relative who's good with money. Some people like to hire people to be their trustees. Maybe your CPA can serve as that role or financial firm can serve in that role as a corporate trustee, which is a professional trustee. So this is a professional money manager. They're going to look at your trust. Just think of it as like a big contractual document that says, this is what I want done. And their role is to follow your wishes. I actually like that idea of having like a third party who's not connected to you. Yes. Because family can be very weird with money. <laughs> yes. Especially when money is growing in that way. Because if you think about it in a trust that maybe when you were running it had some savings, but when you pass away, it's funded by $2 million. That's a beast of another name, right? Mm -hmm. That's a lot of money to manage. And so some people like to choose a corporate trustee to do that because it removes the family from it. 
and you do pay, you either pay them a percentage fee or, or a monthly fee to manage your assets, but it's just like having a fee-based financial advisor or a percentage-based financial advisor. Yeah. Okay. So I know one of the main benefits that you spoke about having a trust in place is this ability to avoid probate. Yes. Let's talk about what probate is and why we should want to avoid it. Okay. So let me backtrack all the way to the beginning and say, if you don't have any of these documents in place, you already have an estate plan. And the estate plan is set by your individual state. Texas has one. New York has one. There is a scheme to make sure that your life and your property is passed on in a certain way. It might not be the way that you want because you haven't done an estate plan, but there is a way, right? Part of the process of closing down your life is called probate. And that's when you go to court and say, this person has passed away. I am wanting to petition the court to help close down their estate. If you have a will, that's your executor. And basically this person is in charge of following the wishes of your will. If you don't write anything down, you have to have someone in your family appointed to do that role. They take all of the information that they can gather. They have to hire an attorney, depending on how much money is in or thought to be in your estate. Because remember, they don't know. There's no instructions. They have to post it publicly in the newspaper of general circulation and, and give it a couple of weeks. So any creditors, anyone that could be inheriting creditors knows okay, she died. She's got a $400,000 house. It's going to this person and this person. He has back child support. They have some consumer debts that are very behind on. We can make a claim for that as well, right? And that whole process is public. It's costly. And depending on where you live can take a very long time. That is considered the probate process. The reason you want to avoid probate by all costs is that you don't want your family to have to be grieving you and going through that hiring an attorney, finding paperwork, posting it, doing all of those steps to make sure that your life is closed down without instruction for some people. If you have a trust of some sort set up, you can completely avoid the probate process and have that all handled privately by this trustee we were just talking about, right? A lot of people don't like the idea of setting up a trust now because they're like, it's an additional expense. I don't really have anything because they're not seeing it funded with all these outside things that won't come to pass until they pass away. And so people will say, no, no, I'll do it later. The problem is none of us know when later is, right? And whether you'll have a chance to. And so one of the reasons that trusts are really great, the trust that you create outside the will, is because you avoid having to go to court, to go to the judge, to prove that these are the heirs, interview people, pay a lawyer, and go through that process to close down your life. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So it can be you know, whereas probate takes several months or maybe even upwards of a year, yep. you could be wrapped up with a trust in like two weeks or less, yeah. ideally. And it's all privately handled. Yeah. So, you know, I think when you talk about like why everybody should have one, I think the question then is, okay, how much is this going to cost me? Because like, if I really feel like I don't have anything, why am I going to spend X amount of thousands of dollars on this stuff? Right. And I think that that's a very, very fair question. And again, I put some of the blame on estate planning attorneys as people who have not expressed the value of doing it. If you think about it historically, just think about the queen in England, right? When you think of estate, she's got an estate. They were, they owned other nations. They were colonizers, right? They have, they still own 
other people's lands because historically lawyers like me were the ones who were doing the passing down of that. When you think of slave holding people in the South, for example, their estate plan was passing enslaved people along with their livestock to the next generation. It was never a system that was built for us. And I won't even say starting in the U.S., go back and see who's used this historically. So when you think, man, why do I need to be part of that? It's because we have access now. And this is how we make sure that we don't bleed out our own wealth. If you think about statistics that have come out when it comes to 2073, there's a Prosperity Now report that says that Hispanic people in the United States are on track to be worth zero dollars by 2073. For Black people, that's even worse. It's by 2053. This is a 2017 study, I believe, that came out and said this, 2017 or 2018. That's appalling, right? The average white family is worth about $171,000 to tens (laughs) when it comes to certain communities. And so, yes, it is an expense to do so. But if you're one of those people who's building wealth investing, buying real estate, and you see what the prices are throughout the country, a few thousand dollars to protect and to transfer that adequately is not even a drop in the bucket. Now, I'm not going to say every single person needs a trust. That's Again, it's why you got to talk to a lawyer and look at what you have. But I will say this, a lot of times lawyers will just look at your balance sheet and say, mm, it's not taxable. So yeah, just do a will. It's easy for them to do it. And But if you have an asset like a grandmother's house and you know it's going to be passed on to five uncles and aunties, guess what's going to happen? They're going to sell it. So if you want to protect things like that, there are things that you must not only talk to your relatives about, but protect with things like trust so that you can keep that appreciating asset within your family. And guess what? That costs money. It actually is an investment, just like it's an investment to put a down payment down on a house or to buy a car or to go to college, right? It does cost thousands of dollars based on where you live. Yeah, it's it's such an important point. And one thing that I did to take advantage of a benefit that I was receiving at work when I was still employed in a corporate setting, I used legal insurance, Mm -hmm. which they offered to completely cover the cost of my estate plan 100%. So if you have access to that benefit, I mean, you can get an estate plan written up for free. Yeah. And I will tell you this, with legal insurance, look up the attorney. Just because it's free doesn't mean that they know what they're doing. Right. And so make sure you go look. Is this what this person does primarily or do they just sign up so they can get a kickback from this program? Look up their reviews. Look at their website. Read what they're about. You still have decisions even if it is a legal insurance program, but that's also a great way to come into it and at least get your estate plan established. And I will add this as well. It's not a one and done. So every three to five years, you need to look at that again and see if there need to be changes or you need to redo it. It's just the cost of of building your life is making sure, okay, if you get divorced, take a look because you don't want your ex to now be inheriting and making decisions for you when you're no longer together, right? So that's kind of how you have to start thinking about it. Yes, that is such an important point, y'all. If you're having multiple children, you know, every time you have a child, you want to revisit that estate plan. Absolutely. Your marriage status changes, you know, all these things will impact. It's a living document that trust is the revocable trust is by its definition, a living document that evolves as your wealth builds, as your life changes. Yes. So- 
I am a business owner. And so I'm curious, how do I pass on a business to people? It's so interesting. I was looking up stats for this recently, and I think I would say over 90% of businesses have no sort of business succession plan. And so when that's you terrifying, are, it is, <laughs> but it's very common. So when you're a business owner, just like you have an estate for your personal and financial assets, right? And yourself, you need one for your business as well. And there are attorneys who do this and make sure that as your business winds down, either due to an incapacitation or a death, there are instructions on what to do with your business. And it's not enough to say, well, my family is going to figure out. Again, it's the same thing. And so what you need is some sort of succession plan. Maybe that succession plan is that it's sold and then the assets that are sold are split if you have a partner and put into a trust for you. And then it goes to so many different ways of of setting it up. But there has to be, just like for your personal plan, a plan of action for what to happen, what should happen with your business and its assets. Mm -hmm. I've actually been watching a show on Netflix called Monarca, and it literally starts off with this story of a company that a family built. The father dies, and in the will, he left the decision of who would take over the company to his wife. So then the wife is like trying to figure out which of the three kids she's going to give the business to. And she's just like, I don't understand why he gave me this decision. Like, I feel so unqualified to make this decision. But that's why this is so important, right? Because maybe the person who ends up getting the company is not who the owner, the creator wanted it to go to. But if you're not specific about it, it's going to be left in somebody else's hands. Absolutely. You know, that whole attitude, like maybe in his, he says, my wife has the right of first refusal or she gets to make the decision, right? The problem with that is when you don't, first of all, give instructions on what they're supposed to do if they are your key person, that makes it awkward. It can break apart families. And then sometimes I get people who say, I'll be dead. (laughs) That's like the number one. It's like, I'm going to be dead. So y'all figure it out. But we see this even going back biblically, right? Fights over inheritances, fights over money, nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. We have already seen it. So why not have instructions and do one better? Tell them while they're alive what you're doing so that nobody is surprised and saying, well, dad told me that I was going to inherit the car dealership, (laughs) right? (laughs) And then it ends up with your brother. And guess what? Now you don't talk anymore, right? You got to communicate on top of all of this planning. It's a lot of work, but with somebody to shepherd that process and to talk through what your options are and have someone to bounce back if things change, that it's one of the most important decisions you'll make for the legacy of your family and your loved ones. Yeah, I think that is the whole thing about this process, estate planning. It just like forces conversations that you know have to happen, Mm -hmm. but just maybe are not happening. And so I think it's very powerful to have this level of transparency with your family and the people that you love. I think it opens up the potential to have communication about all other types of things that maybe you need to talk about. And this could be like the gateway into having those conversations. So, you know, there's also people who maybe they're not planning on having children, right? Mm -hmm. And so that logically is like where you would leave money or who you would leave money to. What if you don't want to have kids? What if you just have pets and you want to leave money to like organizations that you love or, you know, whatever. I love, I I don't know if this is going to show, but when you said pets, your dog likes it. (laughs) 
he knows he's getting something. He's like, okay, this is my part. Let me perk my ears and listen. Okay. So if you are someone who does not have children and you have pets or desire to figure out what to do with your money in a different way as outside of children, that is absolutely normal. There are things you can do to set up your pet. You can leave money for the care of your pet. You can leave instructions just like you would for a human for your pet about what type of life that they would want, how to take them to the groomers, their favorite park. It doesn't matter. There's so many ways to leave instructions for whoever your caretaker is. And you can also leave them money for the care of your pet too. So that is a comfort that a lot of people have when they, they do estate planning outside of, you know, okay, I don't have any kids. Do I need to do it? Yeah. If you, if you want to plan for your pet, absolutely. There are ways to do so. Additionally, if you don't want to leave your money to family or you don't have a pet per se, you should also consider giving your money to charitable causes, whether that is a an organization, whether you're into voter rights or you want to support your alma mater or you want to support a coding nonprofit for young women or you want to give it to your church. There are so many things you can do with that capital. If you want to set up a scholarship and fund it in some way with your estate, those are things that you can do. It's called charitable planning. And so there are estate planning lawyers who can help you do that, figure out how to leave assets. I've had people leave assets to certain pet organizations in Austin. We have a no-kill shelter. I've had clients leave money to their church. I've had clients leave money to their universities, even though they have billion-dollar endowments. But whatever, it's your money, and there are ways to plan about it. And depending on how much money you have, you want to talk to an attorney so they can help you figure out for tax purposes how much. And that's why I don't say it's a blanket. Yeah, just do this or that. It really also does matter what, how much money you're working with can change the complexity of the planning. Yeah, absolutely. And there are federal and state laws to take into account that change mm-hmm. every year. So, you know, it's uh, something to take into account. I feel like I'm learning so much in this conversation. <laughs> so thank you so much for all of the knowledge that you've shared with us. I think the last thing I'll ask before we wrap this up is, okay, where is the best place to find an estate planning attorney that you can trust? This is a really good question. Okay. So I'll tell you one thing I've been doing. I've been trying to no- locate as many black estate planning attorneys as I can throughout the United States, because I I was just like, where are they? What is going on? I know only 5% of lawyers are black, only 5% are Latinx, and we're just not the majority. And so sometimes I know for your listeners, you might even want to find somebody who gets your family dynamic. Maybe you live with three generations. That's a different type of plan than living by yourself. Okay, when you're thinking above and beneath you, right? And so, one of the best ways is honestly ask people, hey, have you done your estate plan? Who did you work with? And don't be afraid to interview that lawyer. A lot of them will give you a complimentary consultation, but it might also be worth it to pay for a consultation and really talk through your issues. I always tell people, make sure that the lawyer is not talking down to you. 
make sure that you don't feel like you're not smart enough to go through the process. You are a consumer, just like you are buying a car or a house or picking any kind of representative, uh, professional to represent you rather. Do your due diligence. If it doesn't feel right, keep on. Find another person. And don't be afraid to ask. Ask people, hey, you know, I want to do this. Do you know someone from here who does that? Or do you know someone who has helped someone do this with a business? Ask around and do your due diligence. Again, estate planning is not an area of the law where you find people with billboards saying, come get your will today, or you can you can get money for your accident. You know, that's personal injury. There are other ways. Estate planning has been so insular traditionally that they haven't needed you because they have generational money. These lawyers are making a lot of money not having to serve people that look like you and me. They don't. They don't have to because they Mm -hmm. got money for days and their children have money in estate plans now based on who they work with. And so unfortunately, I don't have a, a cut and dry answer to find you the right attorney, but start looking. You can also reach out to me and ask if I know anyone in your state. I'm connected to a lot of attorneys throughout the country. And that might be also just a good starting point to find more people. Would you say that the bar associations are also a good place to contact potentially? Absolutely. If you don't have any sources for someone to represent you, always go to your state bar and search. Again, just because they say they do it, you still have to go ahead and check and do your due diligence, read their reviews and what they are about on their website and see. Also check if they have any disciplinary history (laughs) because they can list that they are doing that, but they may not be doing it well. But yes, I absolutely think that's also a great place to go. Look. Amazing. Okay. So Ify, I ask this question to everyone who comes on the podcast. I'm wondering if you have a money mantra. Mm -hmm. I do. There's an abundance of money. My reason for saying that is sometimes it feels like constricting and scarce, but money's a tool and it's everywhere and it's regenerative. So even if you're going through a downturn or things aren't going the way you want financially, there's still more out there. And so I would say that. I love that. It is absolutely a tool. And when used properly, it can be used not only to change your life, but future generations to come. And so I think that's why it's so important that we're having this conversation around what generational wealth looks like. It looks like you. It looks like me. It looks like anybody who is trying to change the pattern of money in their family. It is anybody trying to get past generational traumas, the poverty cycle. Like We have so much untapped potential in our communities. And the more that we know that these tools that have been used by other people for generations are also available to us, we can really start making and seeing the impact that we want to see in the world. Absolutely. That's so beautiful. (laughs) I want to thank you so much for being here. For folks that want to find out more about you, follow your journey and work with you, where's the best place to find you? Well, if you are in Texas, if you are looking for an estate planning attorney, please find me at willsintexas.com. I'll send you all my information. And for those who are outside of Texas, I'm writing a book about this. I want to give people a how-to guide for where to start with their own estate planning to dispel any myths that they've bought into about who gets an estate plan. More information about that either on Instagram at Beckway or the Just In Case Lawyer, and also on my website, ifiebeckway.com. Ify, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored. Thank you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to yoquierodineropodcast.com slash start. That's yoquierodineropodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.